Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Faithful UK Show. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful Show. Tonight we do not have Brian. Brian is actually busy tonight. Well, that was a good reaction to Brian being away. But instead we actually have a guest member. Tonight we have... Paul Hope. So that's definitely a better reaction uh, for you being on the show, Paul, than we got from what uh, Brian not being on the show. So do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, Lee. Um, I'm Paul Hope, as you've said. I'm from Darlington in the northeast of England. Um, been a 49ers fan since the 2012 season. Um, basically got up in the middle of the night one night, switched the telly on and got intrigued by the game that I was watching. Um, I can't remember the game at the time. My first memory was the Colin Kaepernick game against the Bears. And yeah. after that, I was hooked and I decided that was my team and I was going to follow and I've not missed a game since. So I would imagine... With it being one of the Colin Kaepernick games, you, you'd have watched that and thought, he's a good player. <laughs> he oh, looks fantastic. 100%. What, what's, your opinion, yeah, what's your opinion of Colin Kaepernick now, as a player? As a player, um, I mean, I definitely think he's better than some of the starting quarterbacks in the league, but it's obviously well publicised with everything that's going on. I don't think we'll see him in the league again. Um, but like you said at the time, as a, a new fan, I was just blown away by this dual-threat quarterback that was just absolutely ripping it up every time he stepped on the field. Yeah, yeah, I think we all were for the first two seasons. He he was absolutely outstanding. And I think we all did believe that he was going to be our quarterback of the future. Obviously, once he got found out and defences realised what they had to do to contain him, um, then it became very evident that he struggled with his reads. He couldn't go through his progressions quick enough or to get the ball out quick enough to, to an open receiver. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing, but I completely agree. He's still a hell of a lot better than some of the quarterbacks that are playing in the league today, which is a shame that he's not playing in the league, purely because of his stance for social injustice. Um, but you've got to take take your hat off to the guy, he's sacrificed his career and, and I know a lot of people will laugh and say, well, he's a rubbish quarterback anyway. He would still be playing today on some team if he hadn't knelt. So, yeah, I, I, you have to tip your hat to him. And like so you said, it was... Yeah, sorry, go on. Go, no, go on. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, that was definitely for me preparing for tonight, going back and remi reminding myself of some of the games, you know, the, the playoff game in Green Bay. And, you know, you just thought, this is it. That was going to be our golden era. And some of my friends who watched American football for a long time were like, oh, here he comes, glory supporter, putting his hat on the 49ers. Look how that's turned out for me recently. Yeah, I mean... 
So obviously, '95 was the last time we we won the Super Bowl. Um, for the next five or six years, we were still in contention um, with Steve Mariucci. Once Steve Mariucci left, Dennis Erickson came in, and and that was just dreadful. That just made your eyes bleed watching his teams. Um, after that, you, you've got um, Nolan, Mike Nolan. I was going to say Dick Nolan. Dick Nolan's his dad. You had Mike Nolan, which wasn't too bad. It just never seemed to gel. It never seemed to come come off for him. We had some good players, but it just didn't work. Um, Mike Singledry, again, that, that was a little bit of a disaster. Um, and then up steps Jim Harbour, and we have three seasons of absolute bliss. And now we're back. We, we're back to a point where there's a little bit hope there, but the way the season's gone, I think everybody's feeling very dejected. I mean, obviously, what what were your expectations for this season? Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point, Lee. I mean, before the season, I was hoping for an eight and eight season. Obviously, we all got swept away with the six and ten finish last season. You know, we traded for Jimmy G. We all bought into the hype. You know, definitely expected good things. But I am still fully behind the Shanahan and Lynch. Like you said, we survived some awful seasons. You know, Tom Sula, Chip Kelly. Looking at my research last night, I was thinking, oh, my God, there were some games. What were we doing getting up at that time in the morning to watch? But, yeah, I wasn't expecting a playoff run as such this year, but I definitely had high hopes for us to put together a good run, show some good football, especially with like, McKinnon. I had high hopes for him coming in because Shanahan hand-picked him, basically built our offence around him. So to lose him on the start of the season and then when Jimmy G went down, I just, well, like everybody on that night in the group, we were just a bit unsure, weren't we, where to go from there? Yeah, it was a bit of a good punch there. Uh, and certainly, even with Jimmy G being missing and McKinnon, McKinnon being missing, I still didn't think that would be at this stage of the season with only three wins. I, I thought we maybe have at least another two wins under our belt against the Cardinals. I thought we were going to turn the Cardinals over, over both games, regardless of who played under centre, um, but obviously that didn't happen. So, yeah, we have to look at reality that we definitely don't look like a three in what would be a three in uh, 14 team once we finish the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, so hopefully next season everything will, will come right. We, we'll have our the rub of the green with the injuries, Hopefully we'll pick up some decent players in free agency in the draft. Obviously in the draft we're looking at the number one pick overall at the moment. Hopefully we do keep that. Um, I would still like to see us win another game before the end of the season. But I definitely want that number one pick because everything I've seen of Nick Bosa, he looks absolutely excellent. And he's the type of player that's going to excite you week in, week out. 100%. I mean, again, though, when you, when you look back on our season, the game against Green Bay... You know, it finished at half four in the morning our time and all of us were, we were seconds away from winning that game, that last drive. But we've shown, I think sometimes we do get caught up in the negatives. And when you take a step back and you think, hang on a minute, like you said, the injuries we've gone through, the up and downs, there's still, I believe anyway, there's still reasons to be positive moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Like, like number one pick, we've got the cap space, you know, 
we are still one of the premier franchises, for want of a better word. People do want to come and play for us. You know, Shanahan doesn't seem to be doing anything behind the scenes. There's no noises coming out. There's no leaks seem to be coming out from players unhappy. So, you know, I, I'm definitely confident going into next season, we should get to where we want to be anyway. Yeah, I mean, the only noises of people being unhappy is unfortunately from girlfriends, and we all know how that's fi uh, finished. <laughs> so hopefully all that can be sorted for next season, because uh, I, I would like to go through a full season where it's quiet, that there's no controversy. So that would be nice. Right, so you've already answered a couple of the questions I would have asked you, which is basically where you're from, how long you've been a 49ers fan. Um, so a couple of the ones, I'll, I'll go straight to the next one. So who's your favourite current player and who's your fa favourite past player? I mean, favourite current player has to be George Kittle. I mean, obviously, start of the season, I got my Jimmy G jersey. I was bought into the hype. But as the season's gone on, where would we be without our fabulous tight end? Um, and favourite past player, you know, with being fairly newish to the sport, definitely has to be Joe Montana. Everything I've seen, all the footage I've seen, definitely believe, in my opinion, he is the greatest of all time. So that's the two I would use to answer your question, Lee. Yeah, and they're both good uh, picks as well. So you've only been a fan since 2012. Have you actually been to San Francisco? I haven't yet. That's on the wish list to go to. Um, I, I'll be 40 in two years' time. So I'm hopefully to plan it in. I mean, obviously, I've seen all the stuff you've put on the 49er Faithful YouTube channel. That's definitely got me 100%. I'm going to go and do something like that. So it is in the pipeline, but sadly, I haven't made it yet. So your 40th is the best time to go across there. That's that's the first time I went across to San Francisco for my 40th, albeit a couple of months late. Um, I always said for, for years, once I turn 40, I'll be in San Francisco. And the fact that um, it was the last season in Candlestick, that kind of forced me hand a little bit. Um, but I'm over the moon that uh, I made the trip because not only did I get to see my boyhood heroes in the stadium they've always played in, or in the stadium I've always known them playing, yeah. I also made a friend for life in David Ellicott. So it was just a fantastic four days. So this season you've been to both meetups in Manchester. Um, what, what did you think of the meetups and do you have any suggestions on how we can improve them? Um, enjoyed both meetups immensely. Um, it was the first time I've been to a dedicated 49ers fan meetup. I've done a couple of others around the country, Glasgow, Manchester, with another fan group on uh, on social media. But I definitely enjoyed our nights better. You know, obviously, we all got the same aim, we all got the same team. The venue, the Brotherhood, I was impressed with both times we've been there. thought they well looked after us. Um, obviously, I'd like to see more people attend. It would always be good to see faces to names because on a Sunday night, we're in the group thread and we're all chatting. And, you know, as both times in Manchester, we've all had a good drink. We've all had a good chat about football. You know, it's been good to get to know people. I mean, improving them. Again, I'm like everybody else, as long as there's football and beer people to talk football with yeah. I'm always going to be happy so yeah <laughs> but no I, I yeah, enjoyed I think we're easily pleased yeah yeah definitely fantastic right so on Sunday it was week 14 and we played against the Denver Broncos at Levi's Stadium and get this 
We <laughs> actually won. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> tell me who would it. have guessed that? <laughs> so I can tell you who didn't guess that. I didn't guess that. <laughs> Brian didn't guess that. And Simon Brown didn't guess that last week. So we all went for a Broncos win. But to be fair, our score lines were very, very close. And all three of us were only four points out, but four different points out, if you get me mean. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, the actual score was 2014. Brian went for 2010. So he got the 20 right, and he was only four out on the 10. I went for 2117, which gives us four points out on the 2014. And Simon went for 2414. So he got the 14 and was only four out on the 20. So we were fairly close. We, we, we got the scoring correct. We just didn't get the winner correct. Um, so I think that was a fair... I'm going to class that as a fairly successful or reasonably successful prediction, even, even though we were all wrong with the winner. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't, think, I don't think any of us predicted a win. Um, I mean, myself on Sunday, my, my friend who was a, a Cowboys fan came to watch. We had a multi-screen set up going on. And, you know, he was open-jawed at our game. He was like, I did not expect you to win. Because especially with the Broncos still in the playoff hunt, I think that's what a lot of us were thinking. You know, they weren't just coming here with nothing to play for. That's right. So, I mean, if if I quickly look at the game and briefly give a summary of uh, what I saw. So, I've had the benefit of seeing the uh, the second half twice. I, I, I don't think that is a benefit. I'd have rather watch the first <laughs> half twice. Um, but I got to see the first half on, on, on the plane home from Spain over the weekend. Um, I mean, the first half, it was an unbelievable first half on both sides of the ball. Both the offence and the defence were, were firing, firing on all cylinders. Kittle was on the verge of breaking Shannon Sharp's tight, tight end record for most yards in the game at the end of the first half. And all he needed was a few more yards to get that. <laughs> uh, but second half, it was like Jekyll and Hyde. Second half, we were poor again. Um, the Broncos had definitely had uh, the backsides kicked when they went in at half time. Sadly, we couldn't get the yardage for Kittle. And it was interesting to hear Shanahan after the game turn around and say, when, when he was asked about that, those yardage, why couldn't he get those five yards for Kittle for for the record? And he basically said, well, you know what? It's bigger than just one player. We have to win the game. That has to be the aim. And if that means sacrificing somebody's record, we need to do that to win the game. Um, obviously, as the second half played out, we just couldn't get the ball to Kittle and get him those yards. And then, as San Francisco have done time and time again, they give us all heart attacks at the end <laughs> oh, by no. kneeling four seconds too early <laughs> to give the Broncos that one last play and one last shot at the end zone. And the only thing that was going through my head was what happened in the Dolphins-Patriots game. Yeah, 100%. Like you said there, you know, we had the Dolphins-Patriots game and I've never seen in my time as a fan of the NFL the kneel-ups be messed up. And in fact, I was thinking, what, what's happening? Why have they got the ball? And like you said, the season we've had, I was thinking, oh, here we go. <laughs> I think we all were, especially on the group page, we were just had that sinking feeling. But like you said, yeah. first half, unbelievable. Like, we have a defence, I was thinking, at half-time. Where, where's this been all season? You know, we all know how good George Kittle's been. But Mullins, his decision-making was good. You know, we were actually tackling people. We were confident. And, you know, we just made, made it look easy. And then half time, like you said, the second half, 
I just, I did like how Kittle responded after the game because a lot of people jumped on the fact he was missing a few yards for the record. And I think he has yeah. bought into the team mantra you've said there that Shanahan did. And I think I've seen yeah, something online this week where I think Shanahan actually apologised to him on the field at the end of the game. I've seen something on one of the websites or it looked like Shanahan went over and basically shook his hand and, you know, loosely apologised. And I think, like you said, we were all happy with the win, but it would have been nice to see him get that record. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, it would have been. I mean, that was a fantastic game he played. Um, he, he got open against the, the Broncos' defence time and time again. Uh, and it wasn't just a little bit open. At times, he, he was in the middle of the field by himself and no one anywhere near him. Obviously, you have to give credit to Shanahan for the way he schemed that. Um, he mentioned that after the game as well in an interview. He knew exactly how the Broncos defended. So he schemed to make them have to make a decision during the play whether or not to follow the guy coming across them or they go off and, and follow a zone read. Um, and he did that absolutely fantastic. We, we tore them apart the first half, but they adjusted in the second half, which made it hard. Yeah, 100%. As far as the positives and negatives go, let's start with negatives and finish with the positives. Um, For me, negatives, we only had 84 rushing yards on the day, which was well below our average for the season. Um, We seemed to struggle to to run the ball against the Broncos on Sunday night. Um, Obviously, we let them back into the game in the second half and the error with the nail down at the end of the day could have resulted in quite an embarrassing loss. Um, they seemed to move the ball a lot easier in the second half than they did the first half. However, we, we were still hitting quite hard and, and timing them quite well as well. Um, but penalties again, 11 penalties on the game. It's still causing us issues. It's stopping momentum. And it's a problem that we just haven't seemed to be able to address with a permanent solution the whole season long. Yeah, I totally agree. Like like you said there, I was looking through my notes and you said the second half, the defence back to the penalties and the, the silly mistakes and it was just creeping in. Like the first half, we we had, did everything right. Second half, like you said, even to, I think in the third quarter, there was a couple of, I don't think any third down players easy, but there was a couple of players Mullins missed and you think, hang on a minute, you were making them in the first half. And like you said, it's a mixture of the Broncos readjusting you know, maybe what I've always said to them at half time. Obviously, a big negative for myself, like you said, there was you know Kittle not getting the um, the uh, the yards, but we didn't run the ball at all. And I know we'd, we're down to bare bones, for want of a better word, on at running back. But you know, Alfred Morris, I think it's well publicised in the group. I'm not a fan. I know he has to come on the field to give others a bit of a break. But again, when he, it's just so predictable, and like it did look as if towards the end. It was going to creep in again, wasn't it? And we were just so going to throw it away. Yeah, I mean, good point about Alfred Morris. I mean, we have we've waxed on lyrical all year about how how infuriating he is to watch play. And there's a few players that Shanahan mentioned in the interview yesterday, and he kind of hinted. It was more like a it was a veiled hint at what may come. Um, he was talking about Garcon. Alfred Morris, Earl Mitchell, um, oh, who was the other one? Pierre Garçon. 
got to mention him twice, probably. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, Garçon <laughs> Morris. Ah, Malcolm Smith. You mentioned Malcolm, Malcolm Smith, Smith as well. Yeah. Uh, and in the interview, after he'd been speaking about those players, he did actually turn around and said, all the players know the business. They know what it's like. So some of them might be here next year, some of them might not. It all depends on what we believe we have coming through, what the cap space is like, to what decisions we're going to make in the off-season. And I just found it interesting, the four players he mentioned there. So I, I don't expect Garçon to be back. Even though he's no. still under contract next year, we'll either try and trade him or we'll re release him. I think I think that's what will happen. Um, because I think he's I think he's currently happy with what he's got at wide receiver to an extent. We still need to bring in more wide receiver help. But I think Garson hasn't done it for us. He did make a point of saying he's had this ongoing injury all season long. He's never really been fit. And he did show in the off-season practice, how good he was, that just hasn't translated because of the injury. So, I mean, he could get a chance. He could get a chance to come back next year. Yeah. And then he mentioned Malcolm Smith as well and said, well, Malcolm Smith's had an injury all season long. If he's had an injury all season long, we should have been trying Elijah Lee at his position much earlier than now. Oh, totally. And again, injuries, I know most teams legislate for it, but we just seem to, week after week, you know, struggle, don't we, to get players yeah. on the pitch. And like you said, moving forward, you know, something has to happen behind the scenes, um, especially with the defence. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, so what are the negatives to have? I don't have any of the negatives on there. So no, do, do you have I, any I more negatives? I, no, to be fair, I've, I've tried to look at it through positive eyes. I, I, I said that to you yeah. in the meet-up in Manchester, you know, for once we won, I definitely went to work with a smile on my face, you know. Um, I think, like you said, the second half in general was just poor, but overall we won the game, so I'm, I'm happy with the negatives we've both discussed. So, on to positives. So, DJ Reid, I thought he had an excellent game, but I think that's partly because they actually reverted him to the position he played in college. He, he, he played cornerback, nickelback, uh, and that's where they had him playing on uh, Sunday night, and I thought he was absolutely excellent. Which, again, Shanahan did turn around and said, we thought we'd give him a run out there, see what he's like. He's not necessarily going to stay there because we'd rather have him playing at safety. And he, he hasn't quite played as well at safety as what he did on Sunday night. And Shanahan mentioned it, uh, it's because he doesn't have as much to do as a nickelback. When he comes in there, he, he's only got the one guy to cover and he just goes with him. And he's outpacing them, so he's playing well. However, K1 Williams plays that position, and he's playing just as well at that position. So it's a difficult one as far as where DJ Reed's going to fit in. Hopefully he can pick up the nuances of playing at safety and try to make those reads himself a little bit quicker. I mean, yeah, again, I had that as a, as a major um, positive of mine, like DJ Reid, first career sack on the night, and he just seemed to have a game, didn't he, against a good team, you know? And yeah, he did. Again, um, Marsh, he seemed to impress me. He seemed to be making his tackles. He, he seemed to come up with a couple of big plays. And, you know, first half, like I said, the best thing for me was sat with a fan of another team who was impressed at how we were playing. And it wasn't a game that had nothing on the line. Um, and... I think Sherman impressed me on Sunday as well. 
I mean, I know it's been well publicised, his stats are up and, you know, teams aren't going his side. But I I was a bit sceptical when we signed him in the off-season. You know, we've been, for me, the Seahawks is the biggest rivalry for me. And, you know, against, obviously, the the championship game where he was taunting us after the game, I must admit, wasn't a fan. And he's won me over this season. And he's, he's... He's been one of our better players, and I'm definitely glad that we've signed him. I think what people find surprising about Sherman is because quarterbacks don't generally aim for him, he's not really in a position to make a tackle most of the times. But on Sunday night, I think he had uh, two or three really big, heavy tackles where he basically planted the, the offence into the ground. He knocked them down and you thought they're not getting up from that. And it's quite surprising how hard a tackler he is because you don't see that often. Yeah, he made a great one in the, the second quarter. I think that's the one you're on about. It was like uh, most people wouldn't expect Sherman to make that tackle. And it was just, like you said, it's a part of his game that gets overlooked. Um, yeah. I mean, as well for me, Pettis, he was one of the bright sparks the last few weeks. You know, in Manchester, when we watched the uh, Tampa Bay game together, he scored our you know yeah. only touchdown. But... On Sunday, he just seemed to be the player that Shanahan wanted. Because I know we did we trade up for Pettis in the last draft. We did, yeah, yeah. And there was high hopes for him coming into the season, and you know he seems to be finally showing what he can do. Um, and it sounds a bit daft because I've said the second half wasn't the greatest, but for me in the second half, Pettis seemed to be the go-to man when we needed to get that vital third down. We seemed to go to him, and he seemed to get that yardage for us. Maybe that was a combination of the way Kittle played in the first half, but I definitely think we'd need to see more of him next season. He could be a big part of where we're wanting to go. Yeah, I definitely think we will see more of him next season. In fact, I think he could be the one that's replacing Carson. Not as a number one wide receiver. I still think we'll bring somebody in to be that number one wide receiver, but I definitely think he'll come in as a number two or be the permanent number two there. So we'll see on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you've already mentioned Nick Mullins. I, I thought Nick Mullins uh, was really good. Um, hopefully, he can start and find some consistency. He, he played really well against the Raiders. I thought he played really well against the Broncos. The other two games, not great. Um, the Seahawks wasn't actually too bad. We, we just couldn't get any offense on them. Um, I, but I didn't think Mullins had a particularly bad game that day. Um, so, yeah... I think it was against against the uh, the books. Yeah, the books everybody yeah. played bad, and he looked really poor there. He looked like a third string quarterback. But yeah, if he can find the consistency, he does look like a quite a useful quarterback because he's obviously got the football mind because he manages to get rid of the ball just before he's about to get flattened. So yeah, he definitely. The, he can keep, yeah, he can keep the ball safe, um, which is one of the other positives. We only turned the ball over once. Granted, it was a Nick Mullins interception, but we only turned the ball over once, which is an improvement. Yeah, well, like you said, that's one of the negatives of the season, isn't it? We haven't been winning the turnover battle. Um, and again, I was a positive for me, I've got down, is how we caught with Lindsay. I mean, you know, he went undrafted. There's been a big yeah. fuss made of how he's played in, in Denver, and I expected him to basically have a day against us on Sunday, You know, especially, as I've said before, they're in the playoff hunt, and we seem to manage him really well. I mean, I know he did score eventually, but, you know, if you look at it from a fantasy point of view, we've been putting up record numbers every week for people's fantasy teams. And on Sunday, 
We just seemed to have the measure of the guy, and I, I was quite impressed by that. Yeah, yeah, we did a really good job against them. I was quite surprised as well. I was expecting them putting up better. I was expecting them going over 100 against us. Uh, so that was pleasing to see. Um, another fringe player, well, I'm saying he's a fringe player. Um, he's only a fringe player because he was injured at the start of the season. But Ronald Blair's come in and racked up five and a half sacks. I yeah, mean, he's, he's doing excellent. So, like you said, I mean, <laughs> it was just a joy to be jumping around my front room and actually celebrating some good football and celebrating us winning. And obviously, the, the the big positive on the night has to be the Kittle 85-yard touchdown. I mean, that was just, obviously, you know, it was amazing to see. Watched it again like you on, on the Monday and, and on the film. And it was just, it gets better every time you see it. I thought his one-handed yeah, catch does. against the Raiders was amazing. But that play there for me, that was just sums up what it's like our season, I suppose. There was the high point for me. Yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get um, one of the weekly awards, offensive player of the week, because uh, it was it was just a phenomenal performance for from a tight end. Um, so a couple of other positives I've got, and I think we've already touched on them again. I, I thought the pass coverage was the best we've seen all season. It wasn't perfect, but it was definitely the best we've seen all season from yeah, from definitely. our secondary. And like you said, I mean, it, it certainly left me feeling exactly the same way as yourself, thinking, where's this defence been all season? We, we can actually defend against the pass, or at least we could in the first half. And it did look good. And the other one is we are still in poor position for the number one pick. <laughs> I must admit that was interesting on Sunday night in the group page. There was a bit of panic about how the Raiders were doing. And, yeah. you know, I think at one point, I think Steelers went back ahead, but then the Raiders clawed it back. So, like you said, you know, we're still in the position for number one. The games we've got left, three very difficult games, and, you know, what we really shouldn't be getting another victory, but who knows with the way this season's going. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny to think it, because I'd rather see us win the games, but I don't want us to lose that number one pick. Yeah, um, like you said, you've done your, your research, Bosa definitely looks like he's going number one. It's definitely someone who could come in and improve our team. It's an area we need. But we've got the cap space. Like you said, we've got confidence in Shanahan and Lynch. So I think this is definitely a big off-season for the team, isn't it? You know, this will be like going into year three. We've all bought into yeah. their brick-by-brick brick approach. And, you know, we definitely need to see something now, don't we? I think if we have another season like this one, there's already been some murmurings within our group page anyway of some people being unhappy and wanting us to go out and spend all the money that we've got and you know make significant changes but you know who knows so i think this off season i think we will make a bigger splash than what we've done in previous off season because now we do have a nucleus of a team it's now adding those four or five other top quality players and because we've got the cap room we can do that which will make us competitive. I think that's what will happen this off-season. At least I hope that will happen. And then if you have a look at our division, obviously the Seahawks have been a bit of a surprise this season. We all expected them to tank, losing their so many top-quality players. But they seem to have readjusted a hell of a lot quicker than anybody thought. Oh, definitely. And then you've got the Rams. The Rams are um, they're in win-now mode. 
and you look at their cap space, which is pretty much non-existent, you look at the type of players that they'll need to re-sign if they were going to keep that team together, and there's just no way they can do that. So they're going to lose important pieces in the next off-season. So that's going to weaken a Rams team. So next season could be a three-horse race between ourselves, Seattle Seahawks, and the LA Rams. Yeah, I think we spoke about it in Manchester, Lee, about the um, the LA Rams being in like win now mode. Like you said, they've got some big decisions to come. They've definitely gone all in, and you know, recent weeks they haven't looked as good as what maybe they had done. But certainly um, pleasing on the eye, for want of a better word. But like you said, I don't think we're as far away as maybe people seem to think. But it is definitely going to be interesting to see where we go, who we move on, who we move for. I mean, is there anyone in particular that you fancy us to make a, a move for? I know you mentioned, was it Benjamin got released? I asked the question whether or not we should kick the tyres on him. Yeah. Because he's a big, he's a big bodied uh, wide receiver. I hadn't realised about his uh, disruptive past or the way he's been acting in the locker room. So that was a bit of an eye opener for us. So yeah, I mean, you really want to keep away from that type of player. Um, but in the off season, if the Cowboys don't re-sign Demarcus Lawrence. I would like to see us make a run at Demarcus Lawrence and also bring in Nick Bosa. Yeah, that would be that would definitely be a a change of direction for where we've been, wouldn't it, with them two? Yeah. Yeah, that that would be that would make our defensive line significantly better, I I believe. Um as far as wide receivers are concerned, I'm not entirely sure who's going to be a free agent next year. Um but if we can pick up a decent wide receiver or even cornerback, yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not sure who's going to be a, a free agent cornerback. We need to be looking at, obviously, it goes without saying we need to be looking at our weak spots. Our weak spots is definitely defensive end, cornerback, and a legitimate number one wide receiver. We, we've got to fill those three positions. And you also look at the safety. Um, so the safety, Adrian Colbert's had a, had a stinking season before he went on IR. Nowhere near as good as his rookie season. Can he come back and, and have the same sort of season he, he had the first year? To be honest, there's nothing really stopping him doing that. You just need to put your finger on what it was that caused him to have such a bad season this year. I think Jakuski Tart has had a reasonable season. Um, you go across to cornerback opposite Sherman and you've got Witherspoon who again has been disappointing the second year. First year, we were all thinking, we finally got a cornerback who can cover, and it just hasn't happened for him. Yeah. Um, maybe he'll come back and bounce back and have a good season next year. So it's difficult at the moment. I, th I think the only position we're really stacked in, to be honest, is running back. Yeah, there's been a bit of talk on the group about that, hasn't there, with the, if everybody's fit. And especially where Breed has played and um, Wilson's come up off the practice squad. It's looking, you know, some big decisions to be made there, isn't it? Is it at one point we could have four? I don't think we'll go with four on the roster, will we, next year? Well, so that that all depends. I, I, you're probably looking at McKinnon, Breda, Wilson. Potentially, we could re-sign Mostert as a special teams player. However, because of how well he's played as a running back this year... Yeah, I think I mentioned it on a previous podcast. You did, I yeah. That there's other teams. Yeah, I bet you there's going to be other teams who are interested to give him a shot at running back. 
rather than special teams, and he's going to snap the hand off. If he thinks he can play the position he did at college and make a success of it, he's going to go. And I don't think yeah. the 49ers can offer him that um, that role. No, like you said, there's, there's some big decisions to come. I mean, I'm, I'm similar to Brian um, when I've been listening to podcasts. I don't really have a lot to do with college football, just the way I've got with work and, and other commitments. So... I don't know much about the draft picks and stuff. I've obviously tried to do a little bit more research now. It's looking like we're getting number one. But, you know, outside of Borsa, there'll be people like yourself who know more of the players coming through. And I haven't really looked at the free agency this season coming up, if I'm being that honest. Um, I think I've just focused on our own team. And it's like you said, when Jimmy G went down, it just kind of, we all just went deflated, didn't we? And every week we yeah. just seemed to be going from one calamity to another. But... We're sat here with a win on after Sunday, so <laughs> all is looking yeah. good at the moment. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we can keep on smiling till Sunday. Right, so one more thing before we sign off. Today, the International Series game home teams has been announced, and there's two of those teams that the 49ers have road games against. One is the LA Rams, and the other is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I would expect the Rams to actually play in Mexico because they were supposed to be playing in Mexico this year and obviously that was changed because of the state of the pitch. So yeah. if if we the game against the Rams, I can see that definitely being Mexico. So realistically, we're more than likely going to have one chance at a game at either Wembley or Tottenham Hotspur's new ground, the new White Hart Lane, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to be honest, I think that would be an entertaining game as well. So fingers crossed we actually get the books away in London and then we can have a huge meet-up down in London with as many fans as we can get and uh, obviously gather everybody together and try and get seats together as well. Um, so that should be good. Well, I suppose that answers one of the earlier questions, isn't it? What could we do to make the meet-up better? What better way to have our team playing, like you said, in London? You imagine the meet-up there, like you said, get tickets together yeah, and make a weekend of it all, 100%. So like you said, fingers crossed. I think we're all in the group tonight thinking, please let it be the Tampa Bay game. So, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, right. thank, thank you thanks. very much for joining. Yeah, no, sorry, I was just saying thanks for having me, Lee. It's been a, been a pleasure. I've enjoyed the shows this season and uh, look forward to listening to plenty more. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll keep on going all the way through the off-season. Um, obviously, it won't be uh, twice weekly because we won't have a review and a preview show. Um, we may even drop down to once a fortnight, depending on what the uh, activity is like during the week. If there's something crops up, I'm sure we will do a um, a sudden show and, and post that out there. But we are looking to do at least two shows a month all the way through the off-season, just to keep everybody informed of what's going on in the organisation and basically generate some discussion. Yeah, sounds good to me. I look forward to listening to them. Right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back again uh, very shortly, probably on Friday, for the preview show. Um, hopefully, Brian will be back for that show. And we can all congratulate Brian on getting at least one of the scores right on Sunday night, because I, I know he'll be waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've made a note of actually uh, writing them down this time, because I never, ever write them down and always have to re-listen to my podcast to find out what we both predicted. Um, so, yeah, he did well there, as did Simon and myself, at getting roughly the correct score lines. Like I said, 
even though it was the wrong winners. Oh, well. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't have everything. Right. No, no. Thanks a lot, guys. You're welcome. See you next week.